0: Right. Good evening. So I'm coming to you today from Make My Trip, and uh, we're shortly going to be starting out with uh, Deep. And Deep Kalra is uh, an old friend. We go back maybe about 20 years to when I started Consortium Gifts and he started Make My Trip, and we've had some interesting experiences over the years. And and today I'm actually here to discuss and talk about uh, you know his journey, his life, and how he's actually. Grown over the years, and we're going to be taking those contributions towards my upcoming book, um, "Smashed, Bashed, Yet Not Dashed." Is now heading towards the final stretch, and we have ten hero interviews, so ten um, people who I've come across in my journey and who have influenced uh, you know me as a person, and, and I've also I've learned from as well. So that's what brings me to make my trip. And Deep is going to be sharing certain insights uh, from well his journey, and uh, these are going to be uh, invaluable, invaluable insights for our readers. And uh, with that said, I now. Take it forward with the. Have you ever been knocked down and found it hard to get up? Have you ever been knocked down and bounced back to come back even stronger? Hi, I'm Gaurav Bhagat, and you can call me GB. And welcome to the Smash Bashed, Yet Not Dashed podcast, a fortnightly podcast where I speak about persistence, perseverance, and overcoming the odds to come out ahead. So Deep firstly, thank you for doing this and appreciate the fact that you've taken time out you know to contribute towards the book.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: We of course go way back and you know I'm glad we're connecting again to do this.
1: Absolutely. I love what you're doing in your next avatar. Yeah, it's really cool. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.
0: So, you know, getting straight to it, I had some questions, you know, pertaining to you know where it all started, you know, for you. And I'm talking about, you know, even going back to perhaps instances from school where you know you had certain defining moments, you know, growing up. That kind of you know set the context you know for the journey that you actually took and mm. you know giving you all those instances of you know sure. perseverance and, and sure. seeing that through. So some instances that come to mind you know growing up either be at school or even earlier days you know mm. where things like that actually happened.
1: Okay, interesting. Uh, it's you know it's not easy to always connect the dots. So mm-hmm. uh, I did have uh, a really uh, good childhood. Uh, I spent. My entire like school life in one school, St. Columbus uh, High School in Delhi. And it was Mm -hmm. clearly a great school way back then, as you would also know. And uh, I'm a very proud Columban. Uh, But I think it's fair to say that Columbus was uh, a great place for uh, some people, Mm -hmm. uh, especially if you excelled in any field. Right. It need, needn't be studies alone right. or academics alone. Right. It was right. also if you were good in sports, or mm-hmm. you're good in extracurriculars. Mm-hmm. I think it was very good. Mm-hmm. And this refrain I've heard from uh, someone else actually who's kind of seen their child through Columbus. Right. I have a couple of friends, very dear friends from Columbus who don't right. feel that strongly. Right. I don't think it was such a great school for an average student. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see today's schools, like both our kids sure. uh, didn't go to Columbus. They right. went to a new age school. They went to Sri Ram. Uh-huh. And we saw a very different approach and right. probably a more holistic approach. Mm-hmm. I think fortunately for me, I, I was fairly good at uh, studies. I did well and I did, uh, you know, I was quite involved with many activities. So school right. was great for me. So right. I think one right. got probably a lot of encouragement uh, from teachers, both mm-hmm. conscious, subconscious, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which gave one the... Uh, probably confidence to go ahead and try other things. So someone would say, yeah, if there's like the first time ever there's a a play or theater or drama, like you don't know anything about it, but you're saying, you know, how hard can it be if someone else is doing it? Or if there's, uh, you know, quizzing or debating or whatever else. So you just got involved in a whole bunch of stuff. Right. Uh, there were probably early stage leadership opportunities mm-hmm. by being, you know, monitors or prefects or sure. what I think we were called monitors and prefects. Correct, so, correct, correct. so I think it was interesting. And then if you got involved in school beyond school hours, you got close to the Christian brothers, the right. sco- uh, sports teachers. Right. I think it was very rewarding. So yeah. maybe that played a role. Uh, so uh, hard to say, but right. yeah, it was a great, great childhood, both in school and outside school. Great friends, uh, yeah, you know, and a happy family. So I think...
0: And they were tough, right? Some of those teachers were quite hard actually and they would come down on you, uh, you know, pretty yeah, strongly. And I remember yeah. like even growing up in Columbus when I was there till the fifth grade, I remember some of the teachers were, were strict and I think it built a great foundation. Uh,
1: yeah, that uh, I can talk about. I mm-hmm. was thinking you might may not bring it up but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I think we were pretty uh, uh, clearly uh, in the Christian brother kind of strain where they believed in spare the, cho- spare the rod and spoil the child. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something they made no bones about. Right. So you got whacked left, right and center for any and everything. Okay. Uh, so I have a very funny incident which is worth telling, just tells you the sure. extreme. So I did get whacked for all kinds. I got involved okay. in many okay. naughty things. Okay. So I did get whacked and when you got whacked and you got caned actually, uh if you got caned on your backside in winter mm-hmm. you actually couldn't sit mm-hmm. uh, for a while mm-hmm. and so you'd be squirming at home because you dare not tell your parents that you had been whacked because right. the first reaction was right. you must have done something wrong mm-hmm. and how it's changed because as we have our kids growing up of course. like you know yeah. if a, yeah, i think if teachers no, 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 right. uh, talk loudly and mm-hmm. they make the child upset or crying mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. parents are normally there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. saying oh my god my child's going through trauma and stuff True. so it's the full extreme in 30 yeah. years yep. so once uh i remember very famous. Brother D'Souza, who's mm-hmm. quite a legend. Brother mm-hmm. Eric D'Souza. I'm very close to him. Uh, he's not he's not well now, sadly. Uh, mm-hmm. So he called us all, I think, after the class 10 boards and into the auditorium, middle school auditorium. And he said, you know, we are here to kind of congratulate those who have done well, chastise those uh, who haven't, and right. compliment those who could do right. better or something right. like right. that. Right. And everyone was being called up and quite a few were getting caned multiple times. Really? Some people... Oh. And I thought I'd done fairly well, and the last name to be called was mine. And mm-hmm. I said, "Like, what have I done?" Mm-hmm. So uh, I got caned because I missed one mark. So I had a ninety-nine, and I got caned in front of everyone. Uh, everyone thought it was very funny, except me. I can laugh about it now. Right? Wow! But wow. it was just his way, maybe, of saying mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. was careless. And uh, you know, you learn some hard lessons going through that. Amazing. Uh, I got suspended from all extracurricular activities for being, uh, you know. I, I, I think I disobeyed some some laws and right. I was suspended for three months, so I couldn't take right. part in any. And that was really hard. So you know, you learned some of those lessons because with, for them it was very clear: your uh, punishment will be commensurate to what you've done wrong. So maybe it played a role. Maybe so, it did. Yeah. Right. Well,
0: thank you. And you know, of course, you've achieved you know great heights uh, over the course you know of the last uh, well now twenty years. It's been a phenomenal journey. You know, at Make My Trip. Um, what are some of the core things that actually went into, you know, making that happen, like, you know, core values or core principles that kind of went into, you know, success that you've actually had over the past, you know, 20 years. no,
1: Thank you for that. So I think uh, when I started Make My Trip and actually in year 2000, so come, um, you know, very soon we'll be exactly 20 years old, which seems amazing because it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem that long. Mm -hmm. And as you know, when you're having fun, it doesn't seem that long. And actually when you're going through a tough time, it seems long then, But later when you look back and you say, seriously, Mm -hmm. I mean, we went through four years of hand-to-mouth existence up front. I'm saying, how did we even do that? And I think there's something about age and there's something about, you know, just the passion and the Janoon at that point of time where you can do those things. Uh, it's much harder to do later on in life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had worked eight years, uh, before I'd worked in three different professional organizations before starting Make My right, Trip. Right. And I think that's helped me a lot as we've scaled up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely in the early days, um, so we, I think we had a dream start. So, uh, I've uh, now fairly, I think, well-known, but I actually uh, signed a term sheet on a paper napkin. I signed the terms, not a term mm-hmm, sheet, mm-hmm. with uh, Neeraj Bhargav from eVentures in, right. a, in a mall in uh, Bombay. Wow. And, you know, pretty much it fell into place. We got uh, uh, $2 million mm-hmm. after some time, which mm-hmm. was great to get mm-hmm. it on a business mm-hmm. plan. And we were up, up and away. And we were promised another million if we hit certain milestones. Right. Uh, but lo and behold, not only did we not get that million, but eVentures wanted their money back because they were packing up. It was the dot-com bust, and they right. were packing up, and right. they needed to give money back to their mm-hmm. limited partners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was a real jolt within about a year of starting. And uh, you know, when look back, I said, "Wow, well, that that point of time, most companies would have probably packed up. We probably should have packed up, mm-hmm. but." Clearly didn't want to, and I think there were two clear reasons. The first one was, uh, when I saw the metrics, and I'm definitely a creature of uh, numbers, I saw the metrics, we were improving week on week Mm -hmm. on almost every metric, Mm -hmm. and that felt that we were onto something. Right. And secondly, and very importantly, there was the team. So I had this team around me, we were 42 people then, who completely believed in, you know, what I was doing. Right. And I just felt really bad about letting them down because they they had probably equal amount of passion. Right. So right. when eVentures actually shared with me that, listen, we either pack up and go home mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, give us whatever money is left. And there was very little else and pay everyone maybe a couple of months salary right. Right. Uh, or buy us out which i thought was pretty ludicrous because uh-huh. you know if i could buy them out i wouldn't have taken their money right. but i learned the concept of distress valuation uh, uh-huh. uh through that which was also interesting right but when i looked to the people and i spoke to the couple of senior guys uh, there was uh, uh kayur rajesh and uh, sachin uh, you know some of them right. and uh, they all believed in the business completely and they said, yeah, we're going to make a fight of it. And mm-hmm. I said, wow, that's mm-hmm. what I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't carry the weight of so many people. So right. I actually called everyone into uh, our small lunchroom in Okhla phase one. Right. And I said, guys, th- we are going to take a weekend off, which was pretty rare for us. We right. actually worked probably ra- right, right through the Sundays. And come back on Monday and tell me if you're in or out. But this is the reality. And the reality is, if you're senior, you got to take cuts in cash mm-hmm, comp. Mm-hmm. We'll make it up with stock. One day it'll be worth it. Right. And uh, if you're junior, no cuts, but you know no raises really. And so. we're going to cut back, and we're going to you know hunker down, move into a smaller place. We moved into the mezzanine of. The, I don't know if you I ever saw you saw that, that office. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that office, I'm glad you've seen it. Mm -hmm. Most people where I speak Mm -hmm. to have not seen it. So Mm -hmm. that mezzanine, if I raised my hand, anyone raised their hand, you touched the ceiling. It was a long, narrow Um, thing. Um. And it was, believe it or not, 11 rupees a square foot. So it was the cheapest real estate possible. And, uh, you know, you do all these things. So anyway, overnight or over the weekend, we shrunk almost by half. From 42, we went to 24 people. Uh, Secretly, I wanted that because Mm -hmm. we wanted to Mm -hmm. lessen the Mm -hmm. expense and the burn. And uh, we all decided to make a fight of it. And I think right through the next two years, um, we had probably enough for two months of expenses, salaries, whatever. Uh, I took a 100% cut in salary. I could do that because my wife uh, had had some earnings. And uh, Sachin and Rajesh, uh, Sachin and K.U. took cuts and became stock. Rajesh Angel funded us, but he needed to do something else. So he did an e bookers us for a while. So we did all kinds of things just right. to survive. Right. And uh, yeah, somewhere we got through those two years, we got angel funding in 2003 and four from one from a customer of ours Mm -hmm. who was based in the US would buy tickets from us. And he put in I think $150,000 or $200,000 and then one from a traditional old world a uh, travel agent, tour operator in UK, Indian gentleman, right. uh, who also funded us about the same amount because they thought this is the future. Mm-hmm. And long story short, I think we survived uh, till we okay. took a real round of venture funding in 2005. Right. right. Thereafter, we grew quite fast. So mm-hmm. that bootstrap phase was obviously all about just making ends meet. Right. Uh, growth is immaterial. It's right. more about profitability right. or right. sustenance. Uh, in 2005, we actually relaunched in India. Mm-hmm. So what I should have mentioned earlier was when we launched. I wanted to make my trip to be the defining place for people to travel to India, from India, and within India. But within a quarter of launch, October 2000, we launched. By New Year's, it was clear that people in India weren't ready to buy online. Mm -hmm. People were checking Mm -hmm. uh, what we call lots of lookers, but very few bookers. And they just weren't buying because way back then, I don't think they had the confidence to drop their credit card online. They just wanted to see... uh, the price uh, and then take it to the offline travel agent and they say internet pay kind and of even, thing and you know that yeah. that was the way it was which yeah. you can't blame anyone. Right. I think IRCT, so we stopped marketing in India completely mm-hmm. within three months mm-hmm. and in hindsight that was probably one of the smartest decisions right. because we right. just didn't see it ever making sense but we continued NRIs in the US right. and those guys were pretty much used to buying online also mm-hmm. they were not coming back only for leisure so mm-hmm. through Dot-com bust, 9-11, SARS epidemic, they kept coming back because the reality is, you know, kids were being born, people were getting old, parents were passing away, etc. All that was going on. So it was visiting friends and relatives. Mm-hmm. But that kept our fires going. Mm-hmm. In 2005, I felt things had changed in India. Probably late by a year, frankly, a couple of things happened. Mm-hmm. Indian Railways, so IRCTC, mm-hmm. they launched their website around 2003 and got people comfortable to pay online and secure, like, this works. Right. The second was uh, low-cost carriers. So a whole host of low-cost carriers had come, Deccan had started it, and they were advertising these really mouth-watering fares. Right. Right. And the uh, travel agent you called didn't want to sell them because mm-hmm. he or she mm-hmm. didn't make a commission on them. Also, you had to instantly buy them. It became ticketing, so the money was gone. Right. So the customer at the other end of the line changed their mind. Right. Uh, you won't get a, You had to chase up for a refund, mm-hmm. if at all. Mm-hmm. So we thought we could solve that with technology. Uh, we could build direct connects uh, from our website into the host systems of each of the low-cost carriers, right. bypass the global distribution system or the GDS, Amadeus or Saber but get the full-service content from the GDS. Right. And what you do today, so when you put in, let's ADIs. say, Delhi, Bombay, uh-huh. Delhi onto our uh, uh, website or app, right. and you get those instant results. Of course, some are cached, but some are coming. All the low-cost carriers are, we're getting directly from Correct. APIs built into Correct. their host Correct. systems. Correct. We're getting full-service carriers mm-hmm. from, the, from the GDS, mm-hmm. and we're putting it all together mm-hmm. for you and arranging it in whichever manner you want. Correct. So I think in 2005, when we launched with that promise, Something fundamentally changed. Mm -hmm. And I think for the first time, the Indian traveler was actually in control. So the Indian traveler for the first time was, okay, now you make the choice. You make an informed decision of what you'd like to pay for or not. So Mm -hmm. do you want to save a thousand rupees and fly with no meals or early in the morning, Mm -hmm. less leg room? Or do you want to spend two thousand rupees extra and fly with, you know, in flight entertainment in the good old days of Kingfisher? So all those choices you could make and your travel agent didn't make them. Mm -hmm. And people didn't know how to say it but they were getting tired of the travel agent saying that's not available and actually sending selling you what they wanted to because there was no way you could read that cryptic uh, green and black screen so I think that was a big game changer Mm -hmm. so when we launched in India we were 20 million in top line of for the four years 20 million US dollars and about 2 million in revenues Mm -hmm. which is the important Mm -hmm. metric in our business Mm -hmm. And when we ipo in 2010, in those five years, we grew about 25x. So we were about 500 million and looking at 60 million in revenues when we went public. So that was a period of frenetic growth, right. most of it driven by air tickets, uh, hotel was still small. Uh, hotel now is a much better size of the sure. business, but uh, yeah, it's been quite a journey.
0: So, um, you know, as entrepreneurs, um, you know, we often hear also of the concept of, you know, paralysis, uh, you know, by analysis. So would you say like in these early days, uh, you know, you guys just jumped in and did a lot of things without really thinking them through. And, you know, had you actually got into thinking and getting into that, mm. you know, things would have you know, possibly turned out differently. Do you think that actually happened?
1: I, I think shades of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when you have uh, too little money, right. uh your bootstrap, you actually have to analyze everything, every dollar that you spend, not every right. dollar, but every, let's say, you know, uh, 10,000 rupees, 20, there's a lot of money you're spending. You're saying, what's my ROI? What's yeah. my ROI? So you're measuring ROI on everything. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it was important that our spend, our wage bill actually came down because right. that was a fixed cost. Right. It was critical that our other fixed costs like rent were minimal. And that's why we were in that mm-hmm. tiny uh, mm-hmm. bogey. I, I call it a train bogey where we mm-hmm. sat in. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the bogey, three of us sat. Right. And when we uh, twirled around, uh, our knees would actually touch each other, so it was really tiny, but it was great fun. And by the way, through that whole process, right. all three of these gentlemen became, yeah. you know, co-founders. Yeah. Uh, Rajesh, yeah. when he joined us later, but K. U. and Sachin, right. and uh, you know, they completely earned that right, and they mm-hmm. actually put in as much in the company as uh, as as I did for sure, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was a big learning. And we'll probably talk about team building uh, later. Right. But so you measure everything. And so you have you don't have an option but to be short-sighted. You know, people say, how can you take long-term decisions when it's, you know, hand-to-mouth? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you built a business from scratch and you've seen you have to survive. You don't have a backstop.
0: Correct.
1: When you have too much money, you can probably end up spending a little indiscriminately, but it comes to bite you in the back. For sure. So at some point of time, you've got to, you know, uh, you've got to explain either to your investors or to the market, Right. Why are your economics getting better or worse? Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully they're getting, if they're getting worse, that means mm-hmm. you know, on every, every single transaction, you're doing worse right. versus doing better. Right. So right. I think that's really important. So I don't know if we ever suffered from analysis paralysis mm-hmm. because fundamentally entrepreneurs are very the action. Bias for action is very high. Right. So you do something and beyond a certain point you say, okay, now let's take that leap of faith sure. and dekha jayega, you know, let's take it, but it'll be micro steps. But let's take that step and see what happens. And then you course correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the better way to describe it, and that's the way we work even today actually is a very iterative, but uh, experimentative platform. So on the internet, you have something which is called an AB platform, AB testing mm-hmm. is the most powerful thing you can build. Right, right. So essentially it takes, it's a lot to build, but essentially it is a experimentative platform where we can expose any percentage of our customers to a change, keeping the rest constant. So typically that percentage will be 1% or less on a, on, on airlines will be 0.1. Mm-hmm. So let's say we get, uh, you know, 20 million customers coming in every month. We might expose 200,000 of them or something to a different kind of front end, something different, a different sort order just to understand. And if we see that change as being a positive, then we dial that up from 1% to 2% to 5 to 10 and that's how we make changes. So you never bet the bank now. So AB mm-hmm. platform is the fundamental for internet businesses. I think it was invented by Amazon probably, okay. but if you don't build that, then you'll never know. And that's the beauty of our business. So even if we all log on right here, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now, if we were to all log on, uh, we might, some of us might see slightly different nuances to the front end on our app, because some experiments mm-hmm. right, are going on at, right, at right. all points of time, but they're, uh, you know, fantastically rewarding and learning. Um, we also uh, encourage people. So let's say today I was sitting with some folks on a session on mm-hmm. mapping, mm-hmm. on hotel mapping, and I was saying, like, do this and do this. And very politely they were telling me, uh, okay, we will try it out on mm-hmm. RAB. Mm-hmm. And that's the way to do it because right. we'll only do it if it's really working. We're not going to bet the bank on it. So it's quite fascinating. So I think we would be more in that mode. Correct. I think seldom have we been completely like, well, we've made some crazy mistakes where we said, like, okay we're just going to go ahead and do this because on a gut mm-hmm. and you have to follow your gut but then measure it of so on a gut we believed that in the year 2000 uh there was by the way only one flight going to Goa at that point of time or two okay from delhi okay and everyone wanted to be in Goa on new year's kind right. of thing so right. you know today there are 20 flights so we said we'll do a charter so we chartered a whole plane mm-hmm. we took it from sahara airlines mm-hmm. and we thought we did all our paperwork everything and right. we sold out the entire plane right uh, but we got only maybe 25% less of the yield we expected. Why? Because Sahara went when they saw the demand coming, mm-hmm. they went and launched a schedule. They moved themselves. one aircraft from somewhere here mm-hmm. and they crashed. So we learned it the hard way that right. you know, chartering is a really hard business because right. you pay for the entire plane no matter what happens. Right. So we've never really gone into the inventory model after that. Sure. Seldom, seldom, like mm-hmm. in super peak dates where we know we can sell. Then also with caveats like we can give back the rooms right, if they don't sell. Right, right. But typically it's a zero inventory, so low, low asset uh, risk model. Got it, got it. And going back to the early days, so
0: again between um, you know, 2000 and 2003 when you had you know, come in from, uh, I guess, ABN Amro initially and then AMF uh, you know, post that. Um, and you would taken like a big haircut in terms of you probably hadn't drawn any, business, any money from the business. Uh, you know, yeah, for a- a while. 18 months was zero. So how is that yeah. going back to like, okay, let's say Amitra and the kids and, and the family and, you know, your dad. And how is it like going back to them and telling them that, okay, this is, you know, what I'm doing. And eventually this is going to pay off. Uh, what was it like, you know, for you yeah, in those yeah, days? Yeah, no,
1: sure, sure. I think it's a, it's a fair question. Actually, just before starting uh, Make My Trip, I would worked with G Capital. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a year and a mm-hmm. half as a vice president. So it was a great job. I right. uh, was paid very well. <laughs> but uh, I think when you turn entrepreneur, you obviously, that's one thing you're comfortable. Right. But you still draw salary. And there were modest salaries when we started out. I think our salaries we had pegged them at about I think it was like 12 lakh an annum or something which was fine into mm-hmm. you you had enough mm-hmm. also needs were much simpler etc or whatever Correct. but um, when the cuts came a there was no option uh, b uh, yeah I think there was a lot of conviction because conviction it can only be measured when you actually bet not the bank, but you bet your bank. Of course. And there's a big difference. Correct. And I say it and being right. completely cognizant of the fact that I've raised private capital, I've raised public capital, I've done that. There's a big difference mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it starts impacting not only you when you start eating into savings, it also impacts your family. Right. And I had, you know, one little kid just before uh, Make My Trip started. One happened after. So literally between 99 and 2001, I say we had three kids. One of them was Make My Trip. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting times because, um, uh, you know, obviously my wife was like completely occupied with the kids, right. which probably uh, was a good thing in hindsight uh, because she also, you know, I think learned, I think by then that much she was very clear about me that, listen, You know, if you're not happy, then there's no point. Like, be happy in whatever you're doing, you know, working crazy hours. Many nights we didn't come back. So, many nights we stayed in office, just spent the night in office. And, you know, we all had toothbrushes in office. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it was quite, quite interesting. But I think the family support is important. My parents and my wife have always kind of believed, like, you know, he'll kind of figure it out. Mm -hmm. And he need if he needs to do something, he'll go ahead and do it anyway. And not in a bad way. So I got a lot of support, like, when I needed to eat into my wife's savings. Right. Uh, I don't think there was even a discussion. I mean, it was like, yeah, okay. of course, this is our money kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, she never lets me forget it, of course, which is important, yeah. like all good wives. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think that's that's important to have that support. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Ian Rand, for me, like, I have reread I've gone and actually reread read uh, Fountainhead. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I understood so much more now. I read it five years ago. During those really tough years when we were kind of actually wondering what are we doing. Um, so I think it's a bit of that and getting uh, validation from people who feel equally closely like we are onto something. Not stupidly. So I think the numbers give you the validation you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm the one, I'm the paranoid one, always. So I'm definitely an Andy Grove scam. By the way, that was a book which really inspired me way back then. Only the paranoid survive. Andy Grove of Mm -hmm. Intel had written it way back. That was great. Bezos, I've read all of, and he's the only guy who would travel, so I traveled to Bombay only to meet him, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which was worth it probably. So, I think, um, booking's done well. Expedia's lost their mojo along the way. So Mm -hmm. I think it's them. I see Trip is fantastic. They're Chinese and they have, they own a site now called Trip.com, which is their international Mm -hmm. version. So we learn a lot from them. Right. Yeah.
0: And in terms of building the team, because uh, I mean, initially there was, you know, just uh, like you said, you're down to about 24. And then yeah. once you need to A, of course, you know, keep uh, you know, Sachin and you know, Khyur on. And, yeah. you know, also when you started, you know, skating up and, and building others, um, you know, how was that like to attract yeah. the right talent? And, and you know, what was, what was it that you were telling them to yeah. get them to come on board?
1: Yeah. And before I get into that, uh, what I love to say is that of the 24, mm-hmm. quite a few are still with me. Yeah. So, it's pretty interesting. They've been there all all 20 years. In Amazing. fact, a couple of them famously say it was their first job mm-hmm. and say that they spent more time at Make My Trip than in life outside Make My Trip. So, it's wow. pretty interesting. Like, yeah. some of them joined us at 18, 19, and 20, and they've been yeah. here right through wow. and done really well, like, going all the way to the top, So which is a great feeling. Um, I think for startups, you really have only a couple of things to offer. Mm-hmm. You obviously can't offer top salaries. Right. You don't have the money. Right. Uh, you can offer compa- decent salary, but you're offering the hope and the stock that one day this will be worth. But more than that, I think for really good people, it's not only the the promise of potential wealth, but it's really the promise of being part of something and being a cre- part creator. Yeah. So everyone can't be a co-founder, but founding team is a big deal. Right. So these people really believe that they were part of this and they they co-created the company and they're absolutely right you know if anyone asks me like what's the single reason for whatever success we've achieved number one is team there's just no question no doubt in my mind I mean in my case I know some entrepreneurs probably can do a lot more themselves I mean I think if I have to take credit my biggest credit should be for actually building the team because I did that right Right. and get the right people Uh, if you have good people don't let them go And that was really what I felt. I mean, if there are people who are A, very smart, which is great, but more than that, very driven. Mm -hmm. And interests are aligned with the company. Mm -hmm. And that's the key thing, which is like, you know, the first thing when you're out there cutting a deal, when you're doing something, who are you thinking for? If you're thinking for the company first, you're an entrepreneur. And that's the kind of people we need. We need those kind of people even in large companies. And you can see all the large successful companies are where the CEO and the top people are very entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. where they treat it like their own mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. And so, when you go out and you're representing the company, you would take the same decision as if it were your own. So, right. I think that's the key, really. And I think my yeah. earlier experiences in these three companies really helped, helped. Yeah. Uh, to a attract people and b hold on, sure. hold on. And I think to let go. Yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't let go and don't give. So, you get great people to come on. Right. We're still hiring. You know, this year we took on some very senior people at the leadership team level. Last year, we hired a very senior gentleman from Pepsi. He came mm-hmm. and joined us. He's mm-hmm. COO. Mm-hmm. And we have actually five new hires in the leadership team at C-level in the last, I think, 13 months, 14 months. Uh, and it's a refresh. Yeah, yeah. Not so many have left. we have actually, yeah. uh, I think, on. growing. People mm-hmm. are going into new things. We continue to grow quite well. So uh, when new people come also, I really believe that they can make a difference. And I want them to believe that I can make a difference. Lovely. So when I come in out here, I'll get space. Otherwise, why would these guys join? They're in great jobs. They're getting paid a lot of money. They come because they've got the kick and they're saying, or rather they've got the itch and they're saying, I don't think at this stage of life, whether I'm 40, 45, I can do this from scratch. Ab initio is not going to happen, but right. I would be love to be part of something which is safe enough. Like we're secure enough. This company is not going to blow up tomorrow. Right. Hopefully, uh, but who knows? But more importantly, we get the, uh, best of both. And we have very candid conversations over the interviews. Like, listen, actually, the only thing I really want to know about people is, what's your real reason to want to join us? Mm-hmm. You know, and let's go deeper, deeper, deeper into that. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't believe them, because I want to make sure that I can give them what they want.
0: Right, And the values are aligned. Otherwise, they'll leave. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Value alignment, yeah. over time, you get to yeah. know a bit more. But if I don't sell them, if I sell them something we're not, I think we'll both lose. Agreed. I might convince them. Within six months, 12 months, they'll figure out this ain't happening. They leave. Bad for them. Bad for us. Every time you lose a person early, it's a big setback. Yeah. So I think it's important that you align completely. What are your drivers? What are your hot buttons? What can I, can we offer all of that if we can? And I've seen that works. Of course, some will still not work out for various reasons. They get poached. So. While they say it's flattering that mm. good companies want to hire away mm. from you, but it's mm. a big pain in the yeah. backside when yeah. you have yeah. really good, Investing you know, people that. leave right. that, right. you know, you train them up, you invest in them and they leave. Yeah. But that's a reality.
0: Yeah. So, of course, uh, you know, you have been the role model over the years for a lot of people in the startup space, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, period. And um, sometimes you feel that people throw in the towel a little too early. You know and they start on something they've got this great idea but you know perhaps you just throw in the towel a little too early and your advice to people you know who are going through a rough patch yeah. and you know thoughts in terms of what it would or what they should do to overcome you know even the most you know, yeah. dire
1: circumstances. I couldn't agree with you more I say it all the time which is uh, I, I, I speak to a lot of young entrepreneurs through TIE, uh, Thai, and right. other, other fora and I say it all the time some of the best businesses have not seen light of day because someone gave up too early. Mm -hmm. So when I have colleagues who are leaving to become entrepreneurs, and that happens a lot to us, by the way, and it's hard to say don't go. Uh, And they ask for like, what advice would you give? I always tell them, please go in thinking four to five years at minimum to even find out if you have a business. Don't go in with two to three years. Mm -hmm. More likely than not, you won't see anything. You know, you look in the rearview mirror and you won't even see green shoots. Four to five years, you'll know, do I have a business, do I not? And then if it's a business, of course, there's no reason of Mm -hmm. looking back. But if it's not, at least you tried. A lot of businesses, I think people just give up too early. And, you know, the expectations are wrong. I think we read romanticized stories uh, of... And Instagram, which built this great company in one year. This right. is not Silicon Valley and mm-hmm. that's one-off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody really reads how many companies didn't make it. Agreed. So persevere a little longer because yeah. what is the opportunity cost? If you can yeah. survive and take yeah. care of home yeah. because everyone has a different situation. Right. Right. But the opportunity cost is probably one, two years of your life. But you'll never know if you were onto something. Please, you know, be, be uh, kind of lithe enough to, uh, you know, take the feedback. Uh, to tweak, uh, to course correct, do all of that stuff. Right. But if you have something going, I think you should labor on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and things change, markets change. You know, the India market opened up. If it didn't, you know, we'd be sucking on air. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's a very important point, and especially when you look at you know kids today, and especially you know the millennials and now the Gen Zs. Um, their patience special. level is is uh, surprisingly or astonishingly low. And, you know They're yes. like, you know, we've been doing it for three months and nothing's happened and. Absolutely, and you know for people who build companies and have taken like forever to you know stabilize no I no think absolutely I worry
1: too though yeah. I think in some ways the youngsters are very very bright the millennials but yes there's an impatience for sure because mm-hmm. that's how they've grown up I mean mm-hmm. we've changed too like uh, so if you look at you know cricket's my favorite analogy and mm-hmm. how people sat through five days plus a rest day six days of Correct. a test match Correct. knowing fully well that there'll be a draw as a result so sixty mm-hmm. percent of the time you are draws, mm-hmm. 60 or 70 percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how it moved to 50 over, and now even we are finding 20 over too too long. Yeah. And we all watch highlights. I, yeah. you know, I have to confess, I'm a big cricket buff. Mm-hmm. I missed both these matches because I was traveling, right. and I saw the highlights, saw the highlights this highlights. morning because I just wanted to see the highlights. And even yeah. on the highlights, I'm saying, let me go to the juicy part. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, yeah. I think we are all getting more impatient.
0: So your Top three pieces of advice, you know, for anyone who's you know starting out or struggling or you know just has self doubt in their mind. What would be you know, your top three pieces of advice to them?
1: Okay, the challenge is to give only three.
0: Okay, we happy <laughs> to have even more actually. Okay, so but yeah.
1: but let me let me if I could prioritize. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the first one you already touched upon. Mm-hmm. So I said the I, I think the first one is to set a very realistic time frame and have that stamina so it is really a series of sprints right it's far more a marathon uh, than it is actually uh, you know uh, i think a sprint, sprint yeah. so i think we people should be very clear right I, I would say invest in team in a massive way mm-hmm. like uh, if i was to do it all over again i would start with one co-founder uh, some people say three total right. i right. say two with very complementary skills so mm-hmm. one would be all things business one would be all things tech right. just broadly speaking right. assuming it's in the same right. line right. I think it helps to have a sounding board. It gives you a lot of encouragement. So when the chips are down, I think you need to have someone share that burden. Correct. It. It's really important. Big decisions, you need to have someone who equally can feel that. Right. I know it'll cause some issues. Right. There are some advantages of being able to have the last word. Mm-hmm. But I think in my case I'd be quite happy with one co-founder with different skills. So I think right. team would be really an important one. Mm-hmm. Uh it's, you know, it sounds very kind of uh philosophical and nice to say, but I really believe the uh, the focus should not be chasing an exit. Right. I know so many youngsters again who are coming in, or even older people saying, right. you know, very focused on exit. Right. I think the more focused you are on exit, the further away the exit will go. Agreed. So I do believe you need to focus on the core things. And for me, the core things are customer, Customers, pain points, Mm -hmm. how are you solving them? Mm -hmm. Are you solving them better than anyone else? And can you do it at scale? So if you can do that whole continuum, you know, understand your customer, your different shades, different kinds of customer, customers typically not like us, Uh, different needs, biggest pain points, solve those, solve them better than most people or better than anyone, at least in Mm -hmm. India and maybe Mm -hmm. globally, Mm -hmm. and then scale it up. So if you can do that whole paradigm, the whole gamut, I think you're onto a business, everything else will come. So the money, the exit, etc., is normally a byproduct. Right. Metrics definitely be metric driven, but simplify that, simplify them into very few. So if people ask me like, "What do I look at?" I look at the daily MIS all the time. Mm-hmm. I've taught mm-hmm. myself not to react now because mm-hmm. someone else's job to react. Right, right. But there's still two core buckets for me which are everything in our business. Right. One is the cost of acquiring a customer. It is just so critical. Yeah. The second is conversion because everything in our business is funnel. Even in sales is a funnel, but for us it's that. And the third and the most undervalued one, I think, is repeat. Unaided repeat business. What's your repeat rate? If your repeat rate's not going up all the time, there's a problem Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because great brands are not built by advertising or great advertising. Great brands are built by great experience and consistently good experience. So if your repeat is good, that means people have enjoyed your product or service and they've come back for more. Agreed. Uh, the caveat being you're not discounting. So if you remove discounts or you're reducing discounts and people are still coming back, you're onto a good That's thing. thing. And if you look around us, the best brands in the world are built because they're great experiences. So, you know, right. whether it's a pair of shoes, a pair of jeans, the coffee yeah. we like, the food we like, the phone we use, yeah. whatever it is, it's yeah. all about, you know, yeah. the great experience and the reliability. So I would focus on these few basics and uh, yeah. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's what they say, right? If you really
0: want to sell, I mean, either get them to fall in love with what you offer or solve a problem. Yeah. So that's the two biggest drivers for getting anyone to buy. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So seeing all that you've achieved, you know, what is now your biggest driver? Like what makes you like, what is, you know, what is Deep's why today? Like why do you like, you know, get out of bed in the morning and, you know, still, you know, Going all out, uh, you know, what truly are you know, your drivers today, um, you know, considering yeah. all that you've achieved and where do you see yourself you know, going forward and, and what truly are your drivers?
1: Yeah. yeah. So very candidly, I, I don't think the job's still done. Uh, I think we've done okay. We've done well in some regards, but as a product core offering, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm our biggest uh, critique mm-hmm. by far, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as everyone here painfully agrees, I would still say we're six on ten. So I think we've got a long way to go on certain products right. making them even better. Right. For me uh, ultimate joy will be when uh, every customer can become a brand ambassador and very few brands enjoy that. Yeah. But for me that would be like yeah now we've really arrived. Right. So and we should never rest and relax but right now we're not there. We have many customers who love our service. Right. But we have many customers uh, which is you know I think a reality knock. Uh, who try us once and don't come back like where do they go and for me it drives me crazy like why won't they come back why can't we do a better job mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why can't we take holidays completely online mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so probably in the air business we've done fairly well right. you know our market share now in the whole on the online space is getting close to maybe 70% on all travelers is 30% we've done well right. we've done very well with red bus yeah. yeah. but I think on hotels there's a long way to go mm-hmm. International there's a long way to go. Holidays, it's such a beautiful space to do better. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm very, very charged up about that. So I spend most of my time now, now on the product and the experience right. uh, and with people. So I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I think now I have the... So what keeps me going, I, by the way, also get bored very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I've now managed to... So I think I spend my time doing the stuff I really enjoy. Right. Uh, Rajesh is there running the company as, as uh, CEO, so yeah. he can do more mundane stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's been CFO, he's a CA, so he loves some of that. That's right. a good combo, so it works yeah. out pretty well. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm still having fun. I, I don't know what else I would do still. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. are many causes I'm very uh, driven to, right. but I don't think I can give them, uh, you know, 60, 70 hours a week yet. So I can give them some time, but I'm still not there where I can say this is all I want to do. And I've thought about it long and hard, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. maybe that time will come. Of course, yeah.
0: yeah. Of course, education is something you're pretty passionate about, with yeah. Ashoka yeah. and yeah. with Sanjeev. Absolutely, so. great. And any hobbies that you pursue um,
1: outside? Yeah, of yeah. quite a few. Yeah, mm-hmm. quite a few. So, um, you know, love running away to uh, dive as often as we can. Unfortunately, you can't do it in Delhi, but mm-hmm. in December we were mm-hmm. off to the Maldives. The whole family now dives, so that's great oh, fun. Wow. It used to be only me. Now yeah. everyone's diving, which yeah. is which yeah. is great. Out here, it's more, I think more fitness oriented, like I still don't play golf, which mm-hmm. I maybe one day, mm-hmm. but it's more like swim in summer, right. yoga, or badminton, winter right. kind of this thing, something yeah. to stay fit. Yeah. But the rest of the time, yeah, I still love reading a lot. So, uh, you know, I, I do manage to read as often I've become a audiophile. Yeah. So I do audible. Mm-hmm. I find that very convenient. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're walking or running or in for the gym, sure. you can do in the car. Now I can't Correct. read in the car. I get a headache, but I can hear right. my thing. Right. right, We have constant fights between my wife and me. That's not true. Reading, you're only hearing. Well, no, it works for me. It's, it, yeah. it's a, yeah, and podcasts, yeah. you know, yeah. you know that. I think podcasts work really well. Correct. I listen to some of them like Ted and all is always mm-hmm. on my kind of mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the favorite talks. They're great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think I love my music, love finding time for friends and family. Mm-hmm. But time is always the, the biggest constraint. Of course. of course. Yeah, so I think if there was one trait, I would say, which uh, entrepreneurs should have mm-hmm. uh, to get successful, mm-hmm. it's pretty, I, I would say, uh, relentlessness. So I think entrepreneurs have to be just relentless. Yeah. You can't give up. You have to keep going. Right. And the chips are down. And and it relates to the whole theme if you look at it. Of course, brilliance is very important. Creativity is very important. Mm-hmm. Team, but all that EQ is very important. Right. But I think relentlessness, like because you will get knocked down. Right. And uh, so for me, that's the most important quality. So, yeah, I I think if there was one kind of uh, game changing incident which uh, really did shake me up a lot, it was clearly that dot-com bus relating to Mm -hmm. uh, the proverbial rug being pulled under our feet because we were told to pack up for no fault of ours and I said what the hell is this. So my biggest learning from that takeaway was always be in control of your destiny. I actually famously promised I'd never take venture capital again. Mm -hmm. I didn't for four years Mm -hmm. but I had to eat Mm -hmm. humble pie because to launch a brand in India one needed to uh, get definitely, we had in 2005, we had about 2 crores with us. And 2 crores, I did think, and we launched the brand with this. And thankfully, right. I uh, realized right. I couldn't. Right. But we got very lucky with the choice of partner. Also, this time, the partner we took, the investor we took, this was uh, safe partners. Uh, the gentleman there, Ravi Yadusamali, was the decision maker. We were very aligned on values. Mm-hmm. I felt very comfortable with mm-hmm. him. And I think it worked out. But we made sure in all of our agreements that we had enough control so it's not like someone else could control your destiny right so Which that for great. me was yeah. the biggest learning yeah. you know even we are listed today and a majority of our stock is owned by you know public and large mm-hmm. investors mm-hmm. etc mm-hmm. but i think from a control point of view we are still in a very good position where we can control our destiny right yeah would you ever look at our india listing
0: in terms of come back to india and list here as well
1: you know we've thought about it it's it's cumbersome so two listings is not easy sorry right. uh two listings is the the additional kind of uh, you know it's it's a lot of uh, overhead yeah. cost and time yeah. and I don't see the incremental value we'll get out of listing in India right. so that's why it's not making sense mm-hmm. so otherwise would love to from a brand point of view yeah. Yeah. so I actually keep telling the CFO also we should do it and he's saying yeah it's uh, you know it's gonna be tough but let's see maybe at some point of time it'll do it'll be great for the brand right I think the good
0: thing is that now you've got a lot of Indian investors who can buy stock yeah. in the NASDAQ. So have or you know. Things
1: um, have changed. Earlier yeah, you couldn't yeah, do that. Yeah. Absolutely so I think right. That's, that's
0: going to be one way of you know, not having people. Absolutely
1: right. But you don't get the brand benefit yeah. of being listed in NASDAQ. Like I still meet people who don't know we're listed. Mm-hmm. And it helps out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think you appreciate it much more. Out of college it was great because we're very idealistic. But now you realize how hard it is to be idealistic. Mm-hmm. Right? So it made a lot of sense now. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of learning to be got from, I guess I enjoyed recent Yuval Harari. I read the whole series, or all three. I think they were pretty good. A lot of the TED talks. So even I read this guy's uh, uh, Horowitz, uh, Ben Ben Horowitz. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I read his stuff. Really interesting. You know, there was a, there's a book he wrote, which is the hard thing about hard things, and it's really hard hitting. Mm-hmm. Actually, I watch a lot of docu's also, which also helped me a lot. So it's pretty, uh, I mean, amazing. I don't know if you guys have seen Inside Bill's Brain. It's just unbelievable. It's, uh, you know, it's it's about Bill Gates and how he's thinking about how he can actually impact the world. And nothing to do with Microsoft. It's about building the cheapest possible, no electricity, no water toilet for India and Africa. And how he thinks that can eradicate so many diseases and how he put all his resources into doing that and made a contest and a challenge around it. So it's fascinating stuff, which actually for me is very motivating. Mm -hmm. I do find most other management books, there have been some great ones. Very famous professor, he died early because from Harvard, I think of cancer. Clayton is definitely the name. Clayton Christensen or something. Super motivating. He wrote a book called How Will You Measure Your Life? And for me, it was a game changer. So I think you've got to just find something which it's also I've seen at what point of time are you reading it? The same book I've seen can also put you to sleep very quickly. So my my trick, by the way, to go to sleep on long flights is to audio book, put a management book on, Mm -hmm. four Mm -hmm. pages gone. (laughs) All types. But yeah, I I think there are lots and lots of authors I've just totally enjoyed uh, this thing taking from. Talks. I think some talks are amazing. Yeah, I find, I find them actually sometimes more inspirational mm-hmm. uh, because you can actually connect much more with these people there. So. If you go really deep, and I thought about it a lot, I think it comes down to self-esteem. And it comes down to f- not fear of failure, but not wanting to accept failure. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's the right term for it, but saying, listen, see, uh, in the past I'd worked for AMF Bowling, but it was a very entrepreneurial job. And fundamentally we had failed. I'd learned a lot, four years, tried very hard, instead of 2,000 lanes, put up only 200 lanes. Such a worked for right, me then. He was right, my marketing right. uh, manager. And But fundamentally, it failed. For me, one more failure, two dots make a line. So I don't think I would then have the courage to try something again. So I kept saying like, listen, too early to quit, too early to call it like it's not happening and a failure and to write it off. I don't think I'd have the guts to try again. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was a big driver juice. And where I got my validation was from the graphs. Things were improving. Not only were the absolute numbers going up, more transactions, more GMV, all of that stuff, but our conversion metric, which I talked about, was improving. And that when I would, you know, me, KU, KU is also very metric-oriented, Sachin maybe less so, but he brought a very different dimension in. So three of us would look at that and we'd say, yeah, this is onto something. So we actually developed a code. I, I call it discipline and depression. So where we said if we are in, we are in for a month at least. Mm-hmm. That month, we are not going to rethink this. Because people, the rest of the guys in the team, 21 guys were looking at us. And if your face is, you know, hanging low, you know nothing's going on, then mm-hmm. everyone else says, yeah, kuchniora. Yep. Yep. And so we would do that. And every month we would sit down and see where are we, where's cash, where's mm-hmm. this, everything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a night of heavy drinking would follow and where we would decide are we in for another month or not. Right. And that's how we went through those, wow. you know, 25, 26 months like that. The rest of it has to come from inside. And that's why that gut feeling is a very big thing because your gut will tell you. Uh, you know, are you onto something or not? Only your gut can tell. You know, I saw this fascinating movie last night, uh, uh, Panga. I don't know if you guys have yeah, seen I it. It's pretty interesting, very inspirational. Mm-hmm. And great acting uh, by Kangna, and a little slow but a true story about how a mom came back to play Kabaddi. She was like a top player for girls Kabaddi. She was India captain and then she had a kid she couldn't play. And how she came back at a very different age Mm -hmm. to play. Like very moving. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was again I think in so everyone tells her you're crazy. You're not out of shape. She does try and she gets battered by all the young girls. And she says, no, I'm. there's something out here. And I think only she could tell that there was something. Like, I know I can do it. I just have to do this harder. I have to do so. I think, wo, no one else knows that. Right. That only the entrepreneur knows. Is there something here or not? Mm-hmm. Because who are you fooling at the end of the day? Yeah. So, yeah. A bit of it is the self-esteem and self-projection. But most of it is deep down inside. Can you mm-hmm. deal with another uh, failure? Mm-hmm. Be aware of competition. But don't obsess on them. Obsess mm-hmm. on customer. Mm-hmm. Your customer. But be aware. Booking's a great company. I have to admit. In fact, so much so that the uh, Booking CEO over five years who took the company from 20 billion market cap to 80. We've taken him on as an advisor. Wow. Uh, uh, and uh, he's phenomenal. Lot to learn. I mean, there's no question. Ex-Microsoft guy, Darren Houston, very bright. So there's a lot to learn from them. But then I think we understand the Indian traveler better. So now we're doing a lot of business with Indians traveling overseas, booking hotels from us because we're giving them hotels which are Indian friendly. Serve you Indian food or close to Indian food, which means vegetarian, close to the places Indians want to shop. Booking can't get that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I just want to do this for Indians. Booking is for Europeans or whatever. So I think we... You know, we know the Indian customer, and we should play to our advantage, right. especially for veggies. And you know, my wife's pure vegetarian now, mm. and she struggles, and it's tough. And you know, vegetarians also want to travel the world. All they want to know is like, give me one hot meal a day, ideally two. Right? Breakfast is the easy one. Lunch and dinner is damn tough, especially if we don't even eat egg as an ingredient, then you're totally screwed. Yeah. So it's really hard, and it's very tough on the family around you also, mm. because then we say, oh god. <laughs> so. But mm-hmm. as my son loves to say, mom's waiting for that smashing eggless dessert, which mm-hmm. doesn't exist. <laughs> because every restaurant should go and say, which one is eggless? So they'll look at her like, what mm-hmm. eggless? Like, mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I think competition is good. Yeah. It keeps you on your toes. Yeah. It keeps you, gets you, makes you strive for better. Uh, in mm-hmm. air, I wonder sometimes in air, we are the only competition, really. Mm-hmm. Air are all our competitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. I don't mean to discredit anyone, but they're all losing share despite being the cheapest game in town etc so there we have to peg ourselves with a very different metric like set our own conversion goals set our own this thing international air is a different challenge people still book international air offline right. we're trying to move that because you know large agents will give people achabi ada de ada ake that's changing mm-hmm. can we give on the fly credit we're doing all of that now right. Right. but uh, lots to be done still yeah, but these, these companies you named are all excellent companies, especially uh, booking I admire a lot. Can't uh, overemphasize the value. Only thing I would say is quality is far more important than quantity. The biggest problem with training which you guys would have learned or trainings or what we call skip. So we have people here like a very senior person in HR taking just focusing on OD, mm-hmm. just organization development. And they're the people I put you in touch with and down the line team. But I would say quality over quantity. See what happens with all trainings or with everything we do, even books, even this thing is what is the funeral effect, which is you feel very sad or very emotional for a day or two. And then life goes on and you forget it. With trainings also, if you don't have refreshers, if you don't come back. So I think that's also important to do either with the trainer or with someone in the team. Otherwise, we all get excited like even at the Jaipur Lit Fest, I took notes. I was really excited after mm-hmm. a long time. I, you know, no, I do take some notes, but normally mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited. I took those notes and I promised myself on the flight pack, I was kind of reading them and seeing them and saying, yeah, I, about writing a book. Because for me, it was a very different realm. But I also know maybe two months down the line, I'll be saying like, you know, what was that again? Because you get busy. Right. So I think it's, uh, it's, the job of the organization to ensure that you're putting them to practice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and I always tell people take one thing away from this training, Correct. one, don't take True. five,
0: True.
1: but put it to practice. Yep. Yep. It's way better than saying these five I've noted down ten, I have many colleagues who still fill you know, reams and reams of paper of notes in their books and I used to do that with diaries. Can't retrieve it. There's you no point now. All yeah. my notes are actually done on, uh, you know, the phone or the iPad or mm-hmm. something where I commit them, where I can retrieve mm-hmm. them. But put one to practice. Very true. Rather than just ten. Otherwise, what's Very the true. point? Yeah. Yep. So I think if we learn one thing, that's that's great. <laughs>